What are the latest research findings regarding hope? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. David Feldman, Assistant Professor of Counseling Psychology at Santa Clara University and co-author of the End of Life Handbook and many articles on his research regarding hope. Dr. Feldman, welcome back to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thanks so much for having me back. What led to your interest in researching hope? Well, there were lots of reasons, but I think the biggest one was the state of the field of psychology. You know, we spend an enormous amount of time during doctoral education studying all kinds of negative stuff about human beings. Just to name a few, things like post-traumatic stress disorder, personality disorder, schizophrenia, anxiety and depression, suicide, cutting behaviors, all of these things take up years and classes and classes. But if we spend a few days in the curriculum talking about strengths, human strengths, how people thrive, how people overcome obstacles, the positive things in life, the things that make life worth living, if we spend a few days on that, that's a lot. And so I think for me, I started to notice this real deficit in our field. And there was a burgeoning cadre of researchers who called themselves the positive psychologists who wanted to bring some of that back, the study of human strengths and working with clients on increasing their strengths. And I think one of the big ones is hope. The way I think about hope is that it is the engine that makes life go. If you think about what makes life worth living, it is our hopes and our dreams. It's the things that are most important to us that we want. And hope is the process I think by which we think about these things and we achieve these things. It's the way we make, (laughs) it sounds cheesy, but it's a way that we make our dreams and our aspirations come true. Without hope, what would be the point of going on? I think it's central to being a human being. What has the empirical research historically revealed about hope? Well, there are certainly lots of different ways of studying hope, and there are lots of little pockets of literature out there in the psychology work, in the medical world, and social work world. I'll tell you one version of it that's been studied over the last 20 years is a particular view of hope called hope theory. And uh, it was originated by a guy named C.R. Snyder, who was a good friend and a mentor of mine who recently passed away. And basically, there's hundreds of studies at this point, and they show that people who are more hopeful are less depressed, they're less anxious, they have a greater sense that life has meaning for them, which I think is profound. They have greater self-esteem. When studying college students, we find that they actually have better grades and better sports performance. And, And by the way, that's regardless of their previous test scores, like on the SAT, that's regardless of their innate athletic ability, hope actually leads to better performance. In a study that we did following college students for three months, we found that when they set goals, high hope people three months later are more likely to have achieved those goals. There are even physical indicators, for instance, greater pain tolerance, which I think is really relevant for our work with a lot of our patients in the medical system. People with higher hope tend not only to be able to withstand pain for longer periods of time, but actually reports less painful which I think is fascinating. I don't know exactly why, but it has been established and repeatedly established in the research literature. 
They may even have lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, lower body mass index. We just collected a sample of data here in in the Bay Area that, that seems to demonstrate that. So there's a lot of research that demonstrates that hope isn't an airy-fairy concept. It's something that has real implications for patients and for everyone. Tell us more about your research. Well, there are a few different studies that I'm working on with my research team. There's basically two different large swaths of research that we're doing. One of them investigates hope at the end of life. A lot of what I do is working with patients who are dying. And I think that hope tends to be a very misunderstood phenomenon at the end of life. I think in the medical system, we tend to think that what hope means is hope for a cure, that doctors tend to, because of their training, and rightfully so, tend to equate hope with hope for cure. And yet what we're finding in our research, and we're interviewing people in hospice, a couple of different hospice settings, a home hospice setting, an inpatient hospice setting, and also in an oncology clinic setting. So folks who are still pursuing curative care and aren't necessarily admitting to themselves that they're dying. All of these people have advanced cancers. And we're trying to figure out what does hope mean for them, which setting tends to lead to the greatest amount of hope, and what are the kinds of hopes that these folks have. And what we're finding is actually kind of counterintuitive. You might think that the outpatients who think that they can be cured and are being treated curatively in an oncology clinic would be much higher in hope. That's not what we're finding. We're actually finding that hospice patients and on-clinic patients are about equal on hope, and they're both pretty hopeful. But the kinds of hopes they have are different. You tend to find the hope for cure dominating for patients who are undergoing curative care, and there's not a lot of other hopes that they're hoping for, whereas in hospice, they have a wider variety of hopes. There are more goals that they're hoping for. Essentially, the breadth of their hopes is different. So both groups have hope, but their hopes are different. They've redefined hope as they've faced the fact that they're dying. So that's one of the the big areas of research. We're also doing some hope research with college students trying to help to kindle hope in college students, a group that looking at their future, especially with the state of the country today, are not very hopeful. And we're doing some intervention research there to see if we can lead them to be more hopeful to embrace their future more fully, and to hopefully do better in school, better at picking majors, and have a greater sense of meaning in their work. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. David Feldman, Assistant Professor of Counseling Psychology at Santa Clara University and co-author of the End of Life Handbook, discussing his research regarding hope. Doctor, how do you make someone more hopeful? That's a really good question. Well, we have done a research study and we've developed a eight-session group psychotherapy to help people to feel more hopeful. And, and certainly, I, there's too much there in those eight sessions to go into in just a couple of minutes. But I can give people a couple of tips. If you're a physician, if you're a nurse, you probably don't have time to do a big psychotherapeutic intervention, nor would you want to. But I think there are a couple things that can help. Number one, in order to be hopeful, we need something to hope for. And so it's important that we engage patients about what their hopes are. You know, we're really good 
as healthcare providers about asking about goals for care, goals for treatment. We're not as good about asking about people's goals for life. And yet, goals for life figure in in a huge way in patients making decisions for themselves about medical care and in feeling hopeful about those decisions. So I always encourage healthcare providers to have a two-minute conversation with patients about after the goals for care conversation, what do you want in your life? What's important to you right now in your life? You may find out some amazing things. I think about one particular patient who was spinal cord injured in the VA system, an inpatient spinal cord injury unit, who had been there for probably about three months. He was dying, but the physicians were very afraid to tell him that for various reasons. For one thing, they were afraid that it would destroy his hope. He had a pressure sore that was not terrible, but not great. And he was in a holding pattern. He was simply lying in his bed all day trying to heal the pressure sore with the physicians and him honestly knowing that he wasn't going to get any better. And no one really asked him about what are your goals for life. And in a conversation that I had, and I often meet as a psychologist with the patient and with the physician, I asked, what are your goals for life? And it turns out no one knew it, but he has a wife that is four hours away who has sort of the middle stages of Alzheimer's disease and is starting to be more confused, is not able to get out by herself. And one of his big aspirations, his hopes, the most important thing in his life was to see her And yet no one had asked about this. And once we found out about this, we were able to help make that happen. It took a team effort. The treatment team had to meet and really brainstorm about how to do this. But we were able to temporarily discharge him, arrange for transportation and for someone to help take him up there to see his wife. And then for him to come back a couple of days later, you should have seen the difference in his mental health, but also in his physical health that this made. Now, he was dying. He did end up passing away. But the transformation, at least in the short term, was was well worth it. Dr. Feldman, how do you respond to a physician who says, I know this patient, and if I tell them that they have six months or less to live, they'll lose it. I just can't do that. Well, let me tell you how I have responded in the past. Another patient was a fellow who had been in the hospital for about three months and was in kind of a holding pattern multiple illnesses, not one of which was going to take his life, but in conjunction, in talking with the physician, his physician said, candidly, yes, he's dying. He's got less than six months. And yet no one had talked with him about end-of-life care. And the reason was, is the doctor said, I can't do that. It's going to destroy his hope. He's going to enter this cycle of despair, were his words. It may even hasten his death. I'm so afraid of doing this. The family's going to sue us. It's going to be awful. It's going to be angst-filled and terrible. And what I said to the doctor was, you know, I know this family. I've spent a long time talking with this patient and this family. I think they already know, and that really is the case most of the time. But what's happening is they're in a holding pattern, concentrating on the medical care instead of really concentrating on the other hopes and aspirations that they have for the patient to return home, for the patient to see his daughters who he hasn't seen in a long time, you know, for the patient to do some of the other things that people need to do at the end of their lives, make amends with people, finish unfinished business, make practical arrangements that need to be made. And I said, will you have a meeting with me, with this family? And we did. And together we broke the news gently that 
although we can't predict with any kind of accuracy near 100%, does seem like the patient is very sick. There is a good chance that there's only months to maybe years. And we would recommend discharging the patient to home and arranging care at home. I think what was really informative for this physician, who was an incredible doctor, was to see the reaction. There was crying. There was a lot of upset. But the reaction of the family and the patient was really, thank heavens we now know this. We can now make good decisions for ourselves. There was a sense of palpable relief. And I think of burgeoning hope to be freed up to now concentrate on other things which are important. Dr. Feldman, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your research regarding hope. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.